This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's the calm after the storm. <laughs> storm Dennis has come, and I think he's gone. I'm not quite sure. He might come back at the weekend because uh, he's probably taking a few days' break. But Storm Dennis was causing all sorts of problems at the weekend as Brentford went up to Birmingham City to try and see if they can get three points there. But Storm Dennis had a little say as to whether or not we can actually get our plunder from Birmingham City. So I'm sitting here, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on Billy Grant sitting in one of my favourite pubs, the Georgia Fourth in Chiswick, down Chiswick High Road. Brilliant pub. They've got the microphone, they've got the MC, they've got the musician, they've got everything going on downstairs again, as they always do for us on Wednesday. I've got the lads, they've just come back from doing their little sing-along session, you know, they've um, chosen their songs and everyone's very happy with them. Got a big round of applause now, they come up and we've got our own little section at the back of the pub here, our own little private section. It's like a little private party. We're sitting down here, and we're going to talk about all things football. Like I said to you, I'm Billy Grant here, and I'm sitting down here with my chums in the Georgia Fourth. I've got the Allard in the house. The Allard, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good, Bill. Um, nice to be back here at the Georgia Fourth. Um, this upstairs section, we have got it to ourselves today. Previously, during open mic night, it has been used as a sort of not, not quite a dressing room. It's a green room. A green room where people have been getting ready to perform and stuff. None of that tonight, though. We've got it to ourselves up here. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's, you know, I mean, the future pop stars, you know, there. You know, you could have said to people like, you know, last year they were in the Georgia Fourth and this year they were, they were at the Brits, which was on last night. It, it may well be. And, it's Dave there. Um, it, absolutely. It could be, yeah, Dave. I, I seem to remember Dave. Peter. Not, not Laney, but Dave. <laughs> Dave, uh, not you, Laney. Um, yeah, maybe Dave was here last year. Who knows? Yeah. He was, but we had, to, we had to hold it down, do you know what I'm saying? And to be honest, we might have a couple of lads for a boy band with us tonight. I think the average age of the podcast has dropped quite a lot this evening. It has. It's dropped by about 70, 70 years or so, hasn't it? Indeed, yes, yes. So. <laughs> Which is all good. So, And introducing him as well, as we're going around the table here, we've got Dan the Man Man. How are you doing, Dan? Very good. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure coming on these podcasts, making my annual half-term appearance. But yeah, all good. The fact is, we got to time it. Time, we got to time it really well because, to be fair, you know, if it's not half term, you're actually in school, aren't you? Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm so young. I'm still at school. Um, I'm not drinking, obviously. No, no, no. no. If your headmaster's listening, he's not drinking. It's, it's definitely no rum in that coat. But anyway, anyway, we've also got. Well, it's a man who was. He, he, he first appeared in the in the summer, and then he disappeared, and we hadn't heard from him again. But it's Tom. We normally put a the before, uh, before, <laughs> but, but before the names. But we won't put a the because it, it's, it's not going to. Tom Fiddler, how are you doing, Tom? 
Not too bad, yeah, that's it. I, uh, I, th- I think it's probably best we sing that way, that's it. It's, uh, at least you don't forget it, I suppose, that's the plus side. But, uh, Absolutely yeah. no the in, in this one. We have to think of a nickname for yourself. Liberal Tom, actually, is, is what your nickname is, actually, amongst the characters here. Absolutely, I'll take that, that's it. And uh, yeah, nice to be back after my long-term injury, that's it. Got injured in pre-season and now back for, the, uh, back for the final push towards the playoffs, hopefully, I suppose. That is all good. So listen, we're sitting here, as you can tell, we're very upbeat, we're really jolly, we've been having a right good laugh. We've got a few little... Uh, few little beers I'm drinking my gin and tonic I've been doing that for the last few weeks actually because I've been you know on a little bit of a fitness drive trying to give myself slim for the for the last game of the season so I can actually <laughs> squeeze through the turnstiles you know what I'm saying so uh, it's not going too it's not going too badly at the moment now but at the weekend we were talking about Storm Dennis um, it was causing all sorts of havoc and there was a little bit of fear going on because of uh, Storm Dennis that the trains will be cancelled the planes the motorways will be shut people wouldn't be able to get out of their houses and also more which is worse football matches may have been cancelled so <laughs> oh no <laughs> there, there was a little bit of fear and I, to be fair I even put a phone call into Birmingham City to find out whether or not the game would be on or not and uh, they came back to me and they said to me ah this game is never we never cancel a match you know never cancel a match and I was thinking it's funny you should say that because I'm just going to go around the table here because uh, to think you know is it ever true have you ever been in a, a, a football situation where the weather has been so bad either the match got cancelled or you were, it was just the worst conditions you've ever been in so um, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of some Brentford examples and I remember a sort of a, I think a, I remember you know the, the open terraces that's the nightmare scenario I'm pretty sure I got soaked at Oxford once but many years ago and I also I, in my head when we beat Cambridge to win the league I think it rained a bit that day and we got a bit wet but I don't think we really noticed it but there's something about that but so, but the game that I went to um, it was so I was, I was, I was at Dulwich Hamlet um, and I was watching um, Harrow Borough play Dulwich Hamlet because my other half's nephew was playing for Harrow Borough and at that game uh, it, and, and I've got some video of it that maybe I'll put online the, the wind and the rain is insane you can see it all through the video they're somehow sort of struggling on to play and suddenly there's this crack of lightning and I, I swear there wasn't a referee's whistle and literally everyone runs off the pitch <laughs> Like away, uh, you know, worried about the lightning strike, and, and I would—that's probably the wettest um, game I've been to. Certainly one that started anyway. And uh, Dan, the man. So my kind of extreme football watching weather was uh, must have been the early nineties. We had my uh, my grandparents were still alive, and they lived up north, up near Grimsby. And we went up, to meet, we went up, so we timed it when Brentford played Grimsby, see the grandparents, and watch Grimsby play. And I think sing when you're fishing, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, from what I remember of it, we were 4-0 down at half-time and there was this bitterly cold wind coming off the North Sea. And me and my dad absolutely freezing our knots off. And, we, you know, it's one of the few times we've turned around to each other and actually said, I think we should probably go. I think we, we stuck it out, but that's kind of my only real kind of extreme watching Brentford weather story. And then Tom, the liberal Tom. Yeah, well, I, uh, I I made my short-lived semi-professional career in the uh, Cornish Football League, so I haven't played down there, I can tell you. I've played in far worse than I've seen, and uh, trust me, I think I've got several boots that have been lost to the mud down there. But um, I seem to remember, I think it was during the Uwe Rosler era, I seem to recall a game at Crawley, where I think it absolutely tipped it down, and uh, I remember thinking to myself, why on earth have I dragged myself to Crawley for an away day? Uh, and we ended up losing the game, and I think uh, from that point on, I've always questioned every decision about me away games, but... Uh, that's it, yeah. Crawley, it's not one I'm rushing back to anytime soon, hopefully. 
Creepy crawly, those were the days, eh? And uh, me, just actually, as I was just doing this little intro bit here, and we were talking about Birmingham City and making the phone call, and they said, games ne- never got called off. Probably the last game to got called off at Birmingham then was when Brentford played them. I remember we played them in the, I don't know if it was in the Cup or something like that. It was in the, I think it was in the 80s or maybe the early 90s, actually the early 90s, it might have been, or late 80s. And I did a coach, as I did back in the day there, and I remember doing it. We stopped off in the middle of the country at a little pub that we took over. Brilliant laugh. And then all of a sudden, it's like the match, the match got called off and then we ended up kind of like really gutted you know um, ended up at West Brom and so we ended up going to West Brom in the end and then there was uh, unfortunately <laughs> not everybody made it back from West Brom but they, <laughs> they should have done I'm not, not going to go too much into details but let's just say that the, um, the West Brom police weren't the nicest people in the world and, uh, and, and, and we had to take action against them but uh, yeah I was going to say it wasn't too long ago Brentford were put in the call out for fans to uh, um, scrape the snow off the pitch it wasn't that long ago when that was was happening. I've done that. I've told the story many times as well. I used to do the snow, the snow of the snow of the pitch as well. I got called to Brentford. And I used to do it, but I also did it when I took my spade down to Millwall and I did it as well. I remember Chris Kamara, Terry Herlock, and uh, and all the players came onto the pitch, and I was so happy to take the snow off. And then the, the game was deemed on. And when they, they all came on the pitch and they saw me there, and Chris Kamara knew me, and he just scowled at me, and they weren't happy at all because basically they wanted to go home. You know, put their feet up, and I was like, sort of help the game to be on. So I went all the way up to Millwall with my spade as well. So I had my own spade. You had to bring your own spade as well. But um, one other scenario, I'm going to go on again, because this is the one that I remembered from, first of all, is that I used to hitchhike back in the days. I might have told this story before. I used to hitchhike back in the days to away games, and so Brentford were playing Bristol. So I remember I was standing up there and, you know, with me hitchhiking on, I had me all sort of warehouse, you know, um, clothes on. It was something in the, sort of in the, in the sort of warehouse, sort of acid house kind of days. So I had me, me dungarees and all sorts of stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? My flight jacket on, you know, with all the patches on it. And I was standing up there, thumb out, hitchhiking. I started off at um, the M4 Junction, just at um, Chiswick Roundabout. So I got my first lift, so they dropped me off. And then I, first service station, they dropped me off at, fine. Second service station, they dropped me off at, you know what I'm saying? And then by the end of the third service station, all of a sudden, the rain absolutely tipped down and it was just like the worst rain ever on the way to Bristol City. So I was raining and I got my thumb out and no one obviously wants to stop with you because you, I didn't have a coat, like proper coat on. Dripping, dripping, dripping. I was so wet, as unbelievable. And in the end, I remember this woman felt really, really sort of sad for me. So she pulled up, throws me inside, says, well, here you go. I'm really sorry for you. So she puts me inside the car. I was absolutely soaking. So I was going to go to Bristol then I was going to go up to Bristol University. I didn't have a... I was going to sort of, you know, find a friend and sort of kind of... <laughs> I got, go to the match, come back, find a friend and come back. That was, that was a plan. But by the time I got there, I was like literally dripping like a dog. So went to Bristol University. No one looked at me. I thought, this is really rubbish. So what I'll do, I'll go down. Went down to the ground. Went down to the ground to start the game. The game was called off. Oh. All right. So there's me dripping like a dog. Game was called off. So in the end, I had to beg myself onto the coach to take me back home. And they just sort of watched me, this dripping dog, coming all the way home. And that was it. So, uh, But anyway, we've talked enough about Storm Dennis and Tom Dennis-type situations. But we're going to go back to the weekend when we played Birmingham City. Birmingham City, up in Birmingham. Let's listen to what the fans had to say about that game. Then we're going to give you our thoughts on that match up at Birmingham City. <laughs> First half, I thought we were okay. Uh, second half, I thought we were a lot better. We had a lot more control of the game, and we didn't look as uh, we looked a lot more dominant. Second half, um, more like our usual selves. The way we grew into the game, 
and dominated it by the end. And if it had gone on for another 10 minutes, I'd have fancied us to win that. I thought that bringing on Baptistin and Ewan gave us a bit more metal in midfield. Uh, conditions were difficult, clearly. And that game was eminently losable. But it, it was winnable as well in the last 15, 20 minutes. I think you have to look at the other results around us and sort of say that, you know, in a way it's a point gained. We, need, we needed to win it. A lot, a lot of teams drop points, but I'm happy with a point. We stay up there. We need, we need to, we need to capitalise next weekend and the following weekends to, to stay up there. I've, I'm very confident we go up. Yeah, it's very, very tough away, away stadium to come to. It's a very tough place to win. But I think when we win one 0 down, we show great character, great personality to come back and get another goal. But it's just a shame we couldn't get another goal. We needed it. All in all, I thought it was a fair result, and I'm content enough with a point, particularly given the other results that have gone around us today. Um, I think the one slight disappointment I had with Saeed's judgment on his, you know first touch of the ball in the midfield rather than up front but no the, the, the midfield looked really quite strong I thought and very encouraging you need depth if you're going to go up I'm disappointed I think we should have won that um, I think particularly in the first half we had three or four really good chances that we should have taken um, but Birmingham did really well you know they were defensively strong and to be fair to them they had some good chances as well but I think on a balance of play, play we should have won that and I'm a little bit disappointed I just think, I think, for t I think today, I think, you know, the positive point was that Baptiste, I thought, was excellent today. And I think he, he proves that there's another option. Um, at the moment, you know, you've got De Silva and Jensen are fine when you've got the ball. But when they haven't got the ball, you need somebody who's going to get out there and snap at people's legs, a bit like uh, Makocho does. I think Baptiste looks like he's going to be able to fulfil that role. So I think that's a real big plus point today. I also thought Yira did, what, did well as well. So, you know, fair play. Um, a different midfield set up today I think um, what we have to do though is like you say I, you've got to be looking at what seven points out of those nine you've got to be taking seven points what we have to do I don't think I, I really don't think that the playoffs is going to be a problem but we should still be looking at the top two and I think what we have to do basically is, um, is just stay in touch with those top two I said it uh, you know maybe last week on the podcast we want to go into the last six or seven games within four or five points of an automatic promotion place and then it's game on so we've just got to make sure we don't drop too far off the pace so yeah seven points from those nine and I think that'll keep us up there so there you have it the fans at the Birmingham match who are giving their lowdown on you know the bees getting a point in the midst of Storm Dennis and uh, if you check back on our Love Sport radio show Monday nights 8 till 9 we talked much more about that as well so Love Sport Radio is Pride of West London. Just check it out. Great show as well. Also on that show, we did a little special where we got fans from West Brom, Leeds, Fulham, Forest, and PE as well. And we talked about the championship promotion race. We're going to talk about that a little bit later after we talk about this little Birmingham game. But first of all, this Birmingham match is interesting because obviously um, we got a result out of that. And uh, some may say that if this was last year, we may not have got a result out of that. You know, about the match let's just give a little summary Birmingham they created a number of chances or a high number of chances relative to the amount of possession they had they only had 35% possession Birmingham City they actually stole the ball from us a lot they were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities um, from long shots as well and also from the flanks um, they were, but they were lost possession a lot and they were caught offside a lot as well for Brentford we created goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces. You know, that's what we're really good at. Obviously, that's where our goal came from. But 
Unfortunately, we're four at finishing. Poor at finishing, you know. So you saw, you know, a few chances there, including the Ollie Watkins chance, where maybe if we put that in back, there would have been a lot of smiles on people's faces. Also, we gave a lot of free kicks in and around the box, and we were caught offside often as well. So listen, that game. I mean. We've heard what the fans had to say. We talked about it on the radio show on Monday, so we're not going to go too much into the game itself. But there are a few points to come out of that game, the Allard, weren't there? Yeah, I guess. I mean, for me, the the main point was the was the sort of the the rethinking of the midfield and their purpose to some extent. In that, what we saw at the Leeds game uh, was we have a midfield that play well when we've got the ball, but they're less good when we don't have. You know, they're not as good when we don't have the ball, and. Um, and it's not blaming players, it's just the way they are. You know, De Silva um, and Jensen are both good on the ball, but do they win you? Do they win tackles? Do they break the play up? Not particularly, you know. That, that's all about Norgard. As opposed to, like, say, for example, Nottingham Forest, who are good yeah. off the, without the ball, Absolutely. is that right? Yeah, I mean, most of these other teams have got a midfield that they're all biting at you, you know, they're, and they're trying to stop us from playing. We're not so good at stopping other sides from playing in that area. Uh, but because we have the ball a lot of the time, you know, we we don't give it away so much. So they they have the ball less. You know, we get the ball, we play it out from the back, and we generally move forward quite cohesively throughout the team. Against Leeds, we chose not to do that, and then we really suffered because Jensen and De Silva basically couldn't get on the ball. What I think I saw in the Birmingham game was a different a different midfield. You know, Baptiste came in. Um, he was picked to come in and then Yearwood came on within 10 or 15 minutes for Jensen and now we had a midfield three all of them able to battle win the ball maybe not quite as subtle as Jensen and De Silva going forwards but nevertheless a different sort of feel to our midfield something that, that we've not seen and something we definitely missed against Leeds so I think we've you know we've blooded another couple of players given them some minutes and there are games where that is going to come in useful later in the season and of course we don't know you know De Silva and Jensen injury wise we don't know where we're going to be even for Saturday for that yeah I mean the midfield was, you know, well, not rugged, but the midfield dealt with the the conditions and dealt with that game very well, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, that was, that was one of the takeaway things that I took from that game was that what was different to exactly what you were saying before, like a few years back, we would have really struggled um, in games where we had those kind of conditions, but we really acclimatised well. We knocked the ball about quite nicely and actually watching it as I was, I was a fair weather fan, so I was watching it digitally rather than there of the day, but actually seeing how people were able to we were still able to knock about the ball fairly well um, on a day where the conditions were well against us but the thing that keeps coming back to haunt us and I don't I think this is the curse of the championship at the minute is the return of the uh, of the experienced players when we placed Watson the other day it was a handful Livermore is still doing a bit of a shift for West Brom and Gary Gardner just seemed to be on another planet the other day he was driving at us and we just panicked we couldn't cope with someone like Gary Gardner which you know it just shows how you know these players you think they're past it they kind of come back and they can still come back and, and deliver it's that curse of the experienced player that's coming back we also had a, you know, a slight change. I mean, we talked about the midfield, and, and that's a positive because, like I said to you, for me, I've been very excited. I've said this many times about, um, you know, about Baptiste coming into the side and, and wondering what he's going to offer. And uh, I was very surprised that he came in so early, I'll be honest with you, because I thought, you know, you know, even people like Ben Rama, when they, when they, you know, when they first came, they were sort of kind of bled into the side very, very slowly. And, uh, you know, even at the beginning of the season with a few of the players and it didn't quite work. And, you know, the club kept on talking about they need to learn the patterns of play. They need to learn the patterns of play. But it seems that 
Baptiste is obviously on a very sharp learning curve because he obviously learnt the patterns of play rather rapidly because they threw him straight into the, to that match and he seemed to handle it very well which is a big bonus but also there was a change up front everyone talks about our B, our M and our W you know Ben Rama and Bumo and Watkins which is obviously you know which is the gold dust if, you know Lee's fan said to me the other day you know if BMW is in our team you know we'd be you know we'd be laughing we'd be promoted by now whether or not that is the case or not because <laughs> the LR says that they may have to play a different way with that. but in principle you understand what they're saying because those three players all add to our attacking force but one of those players was missing on Saturday uh, then Bumo wasn't in the game so all of a sudden, we had to swap in. I mean, Dan the man, did that put a little fear flutter in your heart? Uh, a little bit. I mean, you know, the, those three work so well together. But I think, actually, in a way, we didn't miss him. I think the, from, from all accounts, we played really well um, without him. And, and I think it's good that we've, we're starting to have a bit of a squad that we can rely on on the on the the sub bench a lot more now and as 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 we all know it's a nine month season and you know legs are going to go and as we come into the business end of the season we're going to need to rely on these players so for him to come in and put a shift in and cause damage is brilliant the yeah, yeah I mean so we played Marcondes in that position instead uh, Marcondes did all the dead ball stuff uh, I can't remember whether we did before Jensen went off or not but Marcondes was, was effective the corner we, we got a goal from his corner so you know there's a there's something straight for Marcondes, you know, an assist. So I think um, I think Marcondes doesn't quite give us that that sort of I would call it that drive, attacking drive that you see from Wemo. Um, but coming back, you know, working and stuff like that, Marcondes is more than adequate at that. I think in the game we sort of I don't know we pivoted a little bit and maybe Ben Rama pushed up more, you know, and and uh, Marcondes would drop back more. So so our sort of attacking side was a bit more on the left. Watkins maybe sliding across a bit, but nevertheless, you know, I thought I thought the system worked. I think on Saturday it was about a lot of hard graft to get something out of that game in those conditions. It was a crosswind, which is slightly different to having the wind um, coming from one end, which then does throw a whole different dynamic on. You know, winning the toss, what way you kick in first half, second half. Why explain that? Because I mean, people out there might might not you know might want to know. Well, I think that you know. If you have the wind behind you in the first half, you almost want to, especially when it's really, I'm talking about when it's really windy. I'm talking about when the goalkeeper can't kick the ball past the halfway line. You need to score goals. Again, I think it was, was it the Fulham game where we had, um, where they had the wind behind them in the first half. We had the wind behind us in the second half. And um, and once we were still in the game going into the second half or wherever we were, I thought, we, you know, this is going to be good. Uh, this will be fine. So I, I do think that when you have a very, very strong wind, if, you're, if you've got it behind you in the first half, you need to get some goals because you're probably most likely going to be hanging on in the second half. If it wasn't like that at Birmingham, though, it was more of a crosswind and we dealt with the conditions really well. The wind didn't affect the game as much as you would think it was going to, um, especially with a lot of people you know, talking about you know, game being called off and all that sort of stuff. And we cope well. We kept the ball to some extent on the ground. Birmingham, I mean, Birmingham went long, and they and, and they and they. You could argue they adapted well as well. I mean, they, you know, their, their chances versus their um, versus the amount of ball retention they had was high. So I think I think both teams adapted well. It was actually, to be honest, it was a good game of football. Um, it wasn't as it was scrappy in places, and maybe that made partly for the game. But it was quite an exciting game to watch. There were chances here and there for both sides. So you know, I think I think we adapted well and, and I 
would we have lost that game two years ago? I get why everyone said we would, because because I think sometimes when it's easy to find an excuse to lose a game, we've managed to find those excuses. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And But I think what was also interesting is that we obviously had the change of goalkeeping coach, but Raya's kicking has also adapted to that as well. And so we see now how he varies his kick. Sometimes it goes a lot higher. A lot of the time he throws the ball out and he did a couple of good throws. Also that ability to drill the ball. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I would say from the game is another takeaway as well. I feel a bit harsh because he got taken off having come on as a substitute. But I think if you can slightly steer away from getting yellow carded in a game, we've got a really good ball-winning midfielder in our hands there. Norgard's really stepped up to the plate there, but I reckon Yearwood as well. He's just got to avoid getting himself into the, uh, the referee's bad books and uh, he'll do all right. And, 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 I, and that's exactly backs up that point of having this midfield that, you know, snapping at people's um, ankles and stuff like that. I think that's exactly what we saw, Sadie. And you're right about Yearwood getting booked I think he came on um, after what, well, I don't know, 15 minutes was it Was it? and then he was booked not that soon after he came on that puts him under a bit of pressure so all good but he's young and inexperienced so I think he'll learn from that and hopefully you know and it's all about the game management and learning and this is still you know those those players that come off the bench and you know are the backup they're still very young and they still are learning the, 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 the championship football so it will take time and there will be, you know, some bedding in problems. But once they find their feet and everything, I think it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Warburton-esque there, you'll <laughs> learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing I would say, though, is that the nature of this game, we're talking about we're on the run in now. We've spent almost this entire thing now talking about players that are not your big players. Mm. You, know, we, we, you know, so many teams, you'd look at how your key players are performing. We've looked at this game where we've had people like Baptiste, Fossu, really come in and make a difference. And as we're coming towards the end of the season, that's a nice thing to have, isn't it? These new faces coming in and delivering something completely different. It makes it exciting. And it also puts, you know, the, the established players, it puts them on edge. You know, if, they have, if they're not performing well, they now know that actually there's people in the background who can take their place. So that's only a good thing. You know, we hear it all the time, managers saying, you know, you need to have, you know, a backup and people who can play and put those, the first team under pressure because then you don't rest on your laurels. So it's only good for us to have that. And if you, uh, I mean, just got to throw the stats into it a little bit as well, just because the stats are out there. And uh, as you've probably heard the podcast, I don't know if it's last week or the couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about fair results and a few people got a little bit pedantic about what a fair result is and what end the fair result. And it's interesting because after we've had that conversation, I go around and I watch and I listen to like radio shows, TV shows, see what people have written. And so many people ask after a match, do you think it was a fair result? Yeah, I thought it was a fair result. And listen, we all know what we mean by a fair result in footballing terms, so let's not get pedantic about it. So looking at the XG on this, so 1.44 to Birmingham, 1.22. They had sort of a few good chances in the box. We did as well. And uh, it looked pretty even, Stevens, from, from you know, Birmingham had the best chance, which is the goal that they scored as well, which was uh, Djokovic, boom, right in the back of the net as well. Um, but, you know, we had a fair few opportunities as well as in the box. And it looked like, you know, it could have gone either way. So I think one all was a, as they call it in footballing <laughs> terms, a fair result to that one. So let's just take that one away from us. Yeah, lads. Yeah, I, the only other thing I would say is that, that there was another sort of interesting aspect. Is we sort of seemed to pivot a bit in that there were times where, where Henry, would, where, you know, Ricky Henry would push forwards and then Pinnock would sort of come across. And it almost like, looked like we sort of moved into a three at the back with Henry attacking. And um, and I and I don't know whether that was to try and 
you know, push Ben Ram around to, to with Watkins or but it was just something I noticed from standing behind the the game that I don't I don't maybe I don't normally get that angle, but I thought that was quite interesting as well. I just think we tried a few different things on Saturday and we're gonna need that in the running. So, you know, I, I think Saturday, although the result wasn't maybe everything we wanted I think the performance showed that we can do some other stuff I mean I was, I was just delighted that we didn't lose that game and I, I know a lot of people might think that you know I'm, I, I'm kind of you know I'm being a little bit soft but it's, I, no because I sort of to me it's, it's the back end of the season where it's going to get really exciting and I just want to ensure that we keep in this game and it's interesting also one of my uh, Birmingham chums as you know I've got chums all over the place and he, uh, he messaged me after the match and so he said to me, uh, you're the best side that comes to St Andrews this season, which I thought was quite interesting from his point of view. And he saw it from a, a different point of view. It was his wife's birthday, so he's actually in the executive box, which is probably behind us. So he probably had the same view as what we had in the game. But he said to me, oh, yeah, most definitely. He goes, if you don't get to playoffs, it's going to be a, you know, a failure on your behalf. You know, you were, he goes, you thought you were excellent and you gave us a really hard game. And also Brummy Joe, who did the... Um, pre-match podcast as well he did the little Birmingham feature on that as well he was messaging us and he just said to us look you know I think we're gonna it's been a tough one for this one I think we're gonna lose it in the second half he was delighted at the end of the day that they went in on a one-all draw on that one so that kind of gives us an indication where we are disappointed that we kind of maybe have not got three points but other teams also are delighted when they get a point against us but it's just you know keeping us there although yes the result possibly wasn't great, but we got a point and it's just chipping away and keeping us in within with a shout within, you know, that playoff stroke second automatic spot. So actually, when you, you know, when, when you, in the cold light of day, a point away at Birmingham, actually it's quite a good result. And I think we, we've touched on it earlier, 12 months ago, we would have lost that game. But, you know, our game management and the squad is improving game by game. And yeah, it, 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 a point actually is really good. When we go to Birmingham, they always, you know, they're always a sort of side which is, you know, could go one way or the other. But they're always sort of kind of like not necessarily pushing for top table, but they always sometimes have a little jewel in their side. And beforehand, it was a Damari Gray. I remember there was a hype about Damari Gray in their side. And we were like going, look, we've got, you know, we've got Malpay. And they were like going, oh, Damari Gray's worth much more than Malpay. And everyone was really hyped about Damari Gray. And eventually he went off and he got sold to the Premier League. And, you know, I'm sort of thinking, OK, fair enough if you want to pay money for him. But I believe that we've got, you know, better players. You know, I'm not saying he's a bad player. You know, he's doing all right, you know, with Leicester then. However, now, this time, they also have another little jewel that everyone's been talking about. 16-year-old Jude Bellingham as well, who, uh, who had a, an all-right game for Birmingham City. He's had some brilliant games with them. He scored some goals for them. They're, you know, if you speak to any Birmingham fan, they believe he's going to be in the Premier League tomorrow. <laughs> you know, he's going to go. And they're just like, you know, we're just delighted to have seen him play. It's a pleasure to have seen him play. Um, but we know he's going to leave us. Now, it's interesting because a little... Um, question which was going around being asked by actually it's from the uh, the second tier podcast guys you know what I'm saying and they put that out they're going to actually be at the game on Saturday at the Blackburn game um, Brentford Blackburn so they're coming down to Griffin Park just to uh, well just to check out the football and have a few beers as well you know so but they asked the question Jude Bellingham will he fit into just slot into any midfield in the championship Okay, we can't answer that question about Bristol City or Derby and everything like that, but Brentford, do you think that Jude Bellingham would just absolutely slot into, in effect, he's a central defensive midfielder, oh, it's a central midfielder, would he just slot into our side? I think at the moment, no. Um, I, he's good and he's got talent and even, and um, I think Tamari Gray, I think, similarly, 
back for Birmingham, what, three or four years ago, that you could see there's, there's something there. I'm not convinced that he would fit... I don't know if you would pick him in our side at the moment, to be honest. Um, you know, he would. Would he be a bit of a wild card? Do you think in the in the way he plays, or do you think he would? Um, you would tr- entrust him. You might give him a game here and there. See, I, I think you would trust him. I think he's he's definitely got something special. And you saw that every time he got on the ball, you, you know, people, he might be 16, but people were paying him the respect of an experienced midfielder. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing he brings to you that people feel like, oh God, we've got quite a player on our hands here. Um, I think I think the problem with him is is that he plays a different style to the way we play. On the field, win the ball and get it forward and get it out of their feet. He likes to carry the ball a little bit more. He likes to play through. We've never really played through the midfield throughout several managers now, really, and that's something that's different for him. But is that not the? I mean, is this not something that we're trying to to, to, to sort with Baptiste, say for example? Because the problem is that we can't break down defenses like you know Nottingham Forest or even Birmingham City when they came down. You know, and uh, and we need a player like that. When you say play through the midfield, do you mean like run through the yeah. midfield as opposed to? I mean, we play through the midfield by passing, right. but you mean run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I think we look for a pass rather than we then head down and go. But having said that, the other day when we look back at the Leeds game, for example, where we were trying to knock the ball about and they were closing that down, if we'd had someone like him in the game, could have turned the game. I mean, you know, let, I mean, let's let's be honest here as well. I mean, if he's, I've seen some figures going around that he's worth at least sixteen million or something like that already, and maybe even higher than that. And I think, you know, if you there there's a reason that he's got that price, and that's because he will give you something different. And he is he is exactly what you said though. He is a wild card. But it's a wild card that's well worth having in your pack because you know he's going to change the game. The one I'm grateful who didn't change the game is Scott Hogan because I was really fearful that we were going to face the spectre of one of our old guys coming back. And I was gutted for his sake that he got injured. By the sound of things, it doesn't look like it's too serious. But I was quite glad to see that he didn't come off the game and score against us, you know. I've had a few beers before the game. (laughs) Just a few. And I'll be brutally honest, I'd I'd forgotten... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by the time I got into the ground he was playing for them well, I didn't really notice him until he got injured um, and that probably tells you yeah, everything exactly. you need to know yeah. and, 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 and it's interesting because you know, now you play these teams like you play Birmingham City now and for me you know, when you said that Scott Hogan got injured I'm like oh no because now that we've got Birmingham City out of the way and they've been a bit of a tricky side especially over the past few weeks you're thinking as much as we um, Birmingham aren't necessarily uh, the top of our Christmas card list at Brentford you know we also do actually want them to start taking points of all these sides because there are going to be teams like Birmingham City Stoke Barnsley going to be taking points of top teams so we need them to be as fit as possible so that they can actually start doing a little bit of damage yeah that's it's right and 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 as much as I love the fact we beat Hole 5-1 and they were terrible, <laughs> at the back of my mind I was thinking, oh, don't roll over for everyone for the rest of the season. <laughs> you know, and, and you do sort of, you get into this bizarre thing now where we might be cheering on QPR in games. <laughs> but it's the way it is, isn't it? You know, I, it is all about us now, isn't it? You know, everything is about us. I, I have to admit, I did get quite excited about a QPR match that was on the TV a few weeks ago. I can't remember who they played. They beat someone, didn't they? They're on the box. It was on Friday night. And they they beat somebody, and it was uh, it was horrible because you didn't like. You're not. I'm a QPR fan, but they. Yeah, it was Leeds. Was it Leeds or it was some or Bristol or it was Bristol Leeds? It was all of them. You know, they beat them all. But it was kind of fun because all of a sudden you just thought, Oh my God, I'm I'm so Brentford. I am like so. But years before. You wouldn't even bother get up and watch 7.45 on a Friday night and stay in to watch his matches. But all of a sudden, it didn't matter how shit the match was, it was all about the result. 
yeah, any, any team now are in the top six. Um, I, you know, I, I watch championship football when I have a bit of spare time and stuff like that. Now I'm literally zoning in on when are these games that I've got to watch. <laughs> and I've got in my head who I'm cheering on in those games, which ne- invariably isn't anyone in the top six, even if they're playing QPR. It's just a great thing for the championship to have, you know, a competitive championship league where everyone can be anyone. You know, nothing's set in stone. Things can change like that. It's great, you know. Yes, obviously we want Brentford to win every game, but you know the drama around all the other games as well just makes it for a brilliant league. And I think you know it's, the running's going to be great. And, and 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 absolutely, totally, beautifully queued up as if it was practiced earlier as well. I mean, we're going to talk about the championship just a little bit more after this little twang because, like I said to you, we spoke to you know fans from Leeds and uh, West Brom and Fulham and Forest and PNE and also Brentford on the. Love Sport Radio Show, um, Pride of West London. Check out the whole conversation there. The truthful thoughts and what the fans were thinking, you know, their fears and also what they were expecting from this season. But we're just going to have a little think and a little chat about that little championship, well, promotion race. And also we're going to have a little listen to what Pharrell, the Fulham fan, had to say because he's really unhappy about their promotion running. And I just thought it might just give us a little bit of a perk up just to hear what Fulham had to say about their promotion running after this twang. So promotion race is on. And I'll tell you something, it's so exciting. It's one of those ones, like I said to you, we're talking about sitting here watching, you know, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and then Sunday morning as well, where you're watching all the matches, the championship matches, and you're sitting there biting your nails, just, you know, hoping that the results will go right. Because for once, it actually really does. You, you notice the difference when it actually really means something to you. I remember beforehand when we were like sort of kind of like 10th and 12th and hoping to get in the playoffs and we thought if we win a few matches, we might do. And But you didn't really have that much interest in it. You tried to, but you didn't really have that because you'd realise that when you're in the thick of it, that's when you've got the real interest. And obviously I'm massively interested in what's going on in all the teams around me, all the teams above us, all the teams below you. I, I love talking to their fans the whole time to get their vibe. I mean, I speak to all, the, pretty much all the fans in the championship on a weekly basis just to get a vibe of what's going on. And uh, as we said, we did our radio show on Pride of West London. It's a Love Sport radio show on Monday night. And I spoke to fans with the top six. So like I said to you, it's us. It was Leeds United, it was uh, West Brom, it was Fulham, it was Fulham and P&E. And they were chatting about, you know, what their hopes were and what their fears were for this promotion running. And there was interestingly, because obviously there's one team which is uh, a massive rival of ours in that top six, which is Fulham. And if you listen to Pharrell, he's a good guy from the Fulhamish podcast. He is not confident, not happy with Fulham at the moment and also really, really nervous of their running. He was really nervous because, to be quite honest with you, he just said, you know, they lost 3-0 to Barnsley on Saturday, which they didn't see coming, at home. And he was just like, listen, we're in all sorts of trouble. Now, I don't know whether or not he is just kind of like, you know, magnifying it because they'd lost to Barnsley. Because if we look at it, Fulham are actually, you know, in the current form of the last 10 matches, they're actually fifth on current form. Brentford are top, Derby second, Nottingham Forest third, Bristol City fourth and Fulham fifth. So maybe it's not as bad as all that. But we were just having a little chat around there. We just thought, tell you something, it might be just quite nice to just, just have a little look around all these teams in the Championship week on week and just, just, just see what's going on. So, I mean, Fulham. Fulham, listen, they've got a wealth of goods in their team, haven't they? 
I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, being a Brentford fan, I never really pay too much attention to Fulham. But one thing I've been amazed by is when you look down their list, uh, the amount of quality players that you've got there from top to bottom, you know, you've got people like, you know, Hector that's come in and completely, radi- you know, radically changed their se- their season. But I mean, they're, they're, they're front... In what way? Sorry, Hector's oh. defender. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I mean, they were all over the shop. I mean, I remember when we played them earlier on in the season and they looked disastrous at the back. Whereas I think they've kept a lot more clean sheets since he's come in and it's really kind of tightened them up. But I mean, when you look at the attacking options they have available to them, it, I can't believe that I haven't looked through at their top goal scorers. Obviously, Mitrovic leads it because he, I mean, he is uh, you know, a top striker. But Tom Kearney's their second top goal scorer with seven goals. I mean, it does tell you there's, there's a deep-rooted problem in there that you know, if Mitrovic goes, that they're in trouble. But it also says so that you've got a lot, of, a lot of players there that are still underperforming, really, to what they could be doing. Because Cavalero should be scoring more and Knockhart should be scoring more. But he's always been a bit of a hit-and-miss player as to when he turns up, I suppose. And it's, again, it's really similar to like Brentford, you know, again, last season or a couple of seasons ago where we had Malpay banging in the goals but we were looking for people from other parts of the pitch to, to knock him in and you can see how that can go one way or the other all of a sudden is that if Malpay has a, an injury or he's out or he just has a, a lean spell then you're in all sorts of trouble Massively I mean that does change it I think what will also be interesting as well because I think I would say this as a former goalkeeper though I think that when you lose your confidence in your goalkeeper that's when your fans start to worry I think with Rodak having a really bad game at the weekend I think that was perhaps why they were looking at it so negatively because confidence comes from your goalkeeper if you're not confident in him then you're worried about what's happening and having gone so well at tightening up at the back if they're suddenly losing and conceding three goals against someone like Barnsley no offence but you know it does make you worry about whether or not they were just on a good run of form. And it's interesting. I mean, they. I mean, again, I speak to them a lot, and they said that they, you know, they thought it'd been coming. They played um, Huddersfield a few weeks beforehand, and Rodak. I mean, I know he had a, he made a mistake in the last game, but apparently he was off the hook against Huddersfield, pulled off a load of wicked saves, and actually kind of kept them in the game. They end up winning that one three two after being two nil up. Um, no, are they two nil up or were they three three nil up? I think it was. I think they were three nil up at half time, and then they came back and two, three three two. So Radak had a, had, a, had a great game. So, and I know a lot of people are listening to me. Why are we talking about Fulham in, in a Brentford footpath? But it's not. We're we're talking about the teams in and around us, and then we're going to sort of relate it back to kind of us and how and, and how we're feeling and and how we feel that we're going to go on. I mean, I know Dan the man. You you got a few words as well, haven't you? Yeah, just with Fulham, there's a lot more pressure on them to go up. Uh, than there is with us I think you've got uh, uh, a manager who's very inexperienced with this sort of thing he came in at the back end of last season and got relegated so they haven't got I don't think they've got players who have got that experience and to, to you know and to get them you know to fight for a promotion place whereas I think with us there's less pressure on us we're more of a team we're not reliant on one or two players it's more of a team uh, right, more on the team to score goals and defend and stuff so yeah I think that, that will work in our favour than Fulham so listen I mean this has come about because like I said to you on the Love Sport Radio show we had all the fans on we talked about a nice good old championship debate it was actually really really enjoyed it and you can check it out on prideofwest.london just check it out but what we've got here now have a little listen to Pharrell Monk from the Fulhamish podcast great little podcast it is you know that okay they might be the rival to us but we tip your hat to them to say they've got a great little podcast as well um, um, and he's honest enough to say how nervous he is of where Fulham are at the moment now and also of their running so let's have a little li- listen to Pharrell Monk from Fulhamish about Fulham's running well to be honest considering how 
not well average Fulham been playing recently. I, I see every team in this championship as everyone else listening probably should be. You know, as we've seen how tight it is at the top of the championship, it's tight all the way going down to well as Barnsley. There are no bad teams in this in this league. It shows that you know how competitive this league is, and we're talking about run-ins. I think Fulham have got the hardest run-in. I believe we're actually playing well half the get half of those thirteen games. We're actually playing uh, teams in the top eight. Uh, well, I think Fulham are probably just going to miss out on the automatics. The top two, though, I, I can't really see West Brom not fin- finishing top considering they've got massive amounts of quality and they've added really well in the transfer window, especially bringing in Krasicki. Leeds, as long as Calvin Phillips doesn't get injured or sent mm. off again, then they'll be they'll be a shoe in for, for, for the top two. They've hoped, I'm just hoping we avoid Brentford in the playoff final because uh, we never play well against them, unfortunately. Billy's going to be purring that. Um, ah, I've always purring. So, yeah, that's Farrell from the Fulhamish podcast. And, and like I said, we brought that up because, listen, what we're doing here, and as you can tell with Brentford, we're trying to hold it down. We're doing a lot of touching wood, and we're just, like, really happy to be there. We try and win match by match, and kind of, but also we have to look forward to see what games are coming up, to see maybe, you know, how we're going to do. So, for me, I'm delighted the fact that we've come out of this little run of matches after Birmingham City, and I think we've got eight points out of... Um, I think it's eight points. I'll have to add it up. You know, eight points out of 12 or whatever it may be, which I think, you know, that's a positive number to come out of that one. But for me, the next three or four, four games, I think it is, are really, really crucial where we've got Blackburn at home. We've got Wigan at home away. Then we've got Cardiff away. And then we've got Sheffield Wednesday at home as well. And for this is the, these set of four matches, I would like us to ramp it up a little bit more where I would think that, you know, if we could have got, you know, know 10 points out of those 12 then it starts to set us in a good position and you start looking back at those results that you had beforehand and not worry about them so um, this is actually a really crucial point for us but when you listen to Pharrell from Fulham and he talks about where they're going over the next month or two it kind of puts a lot of things in perspective and it makes you realize that we actually now need to get these results because they're they're very worried i tell you where they're going over the next few months or two. They're going to Leeds, they're going to Forest, they're going to West Brom and they're going to Bristol City. Yep. All away. So, you know... And I'm, we're going to them. And we're going to Fulham. So you can see why he's... And Preston. Know, why there's trepidation. I think they got Preston at home. But they're playing everybody in, that, in, in, that, in our group. And that is good for us. Not because um, it means that Fulham are going to necessarily drop out of contention but because I still look at the top two and that means potentially a reasonable Fulham could take points off other teams around us not too many points because we need to finish above Fulham obviously but then you know so, so it's not that that's good for us as well I think my overall feeling with Fulham and I I think he bears this out is that I reckon in 17-18 barring when we beat them earlier in the season I think then we got a draw I thought Fulham looked like a really good side that year. They looked like the best side in the league. And they came off, you know, looking like they were a side that were going to get promoted. I don't see that in Fulham this year. Not from when I've seen them play. Certainly against us. I thought we outclassed them, to be honest. And I think if you look at their results since, I think it's November, they've owned, they've not won a game by more than one goal. Whereas we've gone out and we have demolished teams and taken them apart. So I can see why he's nervous. We shouldn't write him off because, as Tom's already said, 
that is some depth in that squad and they should be performing better than they are which does make you wonder about the management situation you know not much um, you know, experience yeah experience he's come in and you know he doesn't have much management experience he's got experience around football and stuff and I don't always think experience is everything but you know I, I just sort of think that maybe the different manager things would be different I, the other thing is is Mitrovic scores all their goals you stop him you stop him scoring a bit like with Leeds when Bamford stops scoring Bam, um, Leeds aren't scoring at the moment, Mitrovic is still scoring, but I reckon if you stop him, then 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 who's going to score for him? And that's interesting as well because again, a, a slightly um, probably cleverer side tactically will probably know how to deal with that maybe than other side. So you know about you know with Mitro and I'm, okay, I'm not saying that Barnsley are clever tactically, but I mean I spoke to the Fulham fans after that and they said we were absolutely woeful against Barnsley. Now whether or not they had a day off. Barnsley are one of these teams where, and I, like I said to you, I said to Sammy beforehand from Fulhamish on Friday before he played them, trust me, he said he's playing Barnsley, he says, you know, we should be all right then. I said, trust me, Barnsley, um, Sammy, there are a few teams out there who I believe are going to be taking t- points off the bigger teams. I said to him, Barnsley are one of them, Stoke City are another one of them, and Millwall, again, their day can be another one of them. And I said that on Friday, and I, I talked to him on Monday afterwards, he said, fair play, you know, you did say that. And Barnsley are a really strange side. They're actually... They're actually quite good with a rubbish defence, right? You know what I'm saying? So um, they, they obviously knew how to deal with Fulham and probably play them at their own game and play them at it better. So what, what I'm saying is that Fulham can be nullified. You just need the right type of team and the right type of tactics to do it. I think what will be interesting now, actually, and it kind of picks up on something that you, I think you were talking a little bit about, Dan, but also you were talking about, Matt, is that obviously what we've got now is we've got a team there that at the start of the season will have gone in and told their players we're expecting you to be pushing for automatics you've now got a team that are on the run of form that they've been on and the way they've started playing and probably not reached the level they were thinking that are now thinking we've got to shore up our playoff places now the problem is is that you're going to have players that are there now going well this isn't what I bought into this isn't the vision I had Am I sure I'm really ready or up for this kind of battle of trying to slog it out through the through the playoffs? I think you know, with us, we've kind of been lucky in the sense that you know we've been able to kind of adapt to the situation. I think the squad is willing to adapt to the situation. I just wonder whether or not the players there in that squad will be willing to adapt to the fact that they might not get those automatic playoff or those automatic places now. And you have to remember, I remember at the beginning of the season, everybody, and you remember this as well, that like everyone had Fulham yeah. as yeah. like nailed on. For return to the Premier League, they said to them the amount of money that they spent, the players, they spent over 100 million, you know, on, on, that, on that squad. I mean, they, they've got a proper rich squad out there. And I'm not saying, again, I keep touching wood because we're not being braggadocious here. All we're doing is we're just observing what's around us and, and seeing, you know, what's going on and probably just reporting and reflecting on, on, on what different fans are saying and what's happening out there. We know that as Brentford, we need to keep focused win game on game and that's I think what, was what we're doing I've got to go to Dan and then, then I've got to go to the Elon. I feel with Brentford and this isn't with my Brentford road since the glasses I feel that we are a team with players who want to play with for each other and you know will fight and I think with Fulham they're a team full of individuals who don't who won't when the chips are down won't ha- have that fight within them so I I I think that's one of the big differences between us and Fulham. And I think that's a fair point. Uh, hopefully that might not change over the next time again. Obviously, Farrell said that, you know, the last team that he wants to play is Brentford in the playoff <laughs> final. Again, touch wood, you know, we're touching wood a lot here. But, you know, that, <laughs> but, but the reason why he's saying that is because 
um, every time we played them, we've looked more up for it. You know, we got the Peter Gillam going into the dressing room, telling the players what this is all about, and they don't really have that. So we've we've got that whole kind of scenario, and hopefully that will carry on, and it will carry on the Allot. Yeah, all I was going to say is at the beginning of the season there was always one question mark over Fulham, and that question mark was Scott Parker, and I don't think, based on probably from Saturday's result and the fact that you know they're not they're not winning games convincingly, that that question mark's really gone away. So, I mean, so for us, and, and, and you said this, you know, with where we are at the moment now is, uh, as we know, with Brentford, we are we're fourth in the league. We've got a long way to go. I know the Allard is still looking at second. I'm, uh, I'm, holding, I'm, I'm holding myself back at the moment now. Holding back. I'm really holding back because I'm just saying at the moment now, all I would love to do is I'd love to secure a, uh, a playoff space and to be at home. Be at home, oh sorry, be away, which is the first set of matches which are going to be in the bank holiday Friday after the last game of the season and the Saturday. I believe that's when the first set of matches are going to be, the Friday and the Saturday, and we can go away on a bank holiday weekend and we can bring loads of people away, which will be a laugh. So go on, actually put that in your diary for now. But just coming back to this briefly and then we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the game at the weekend. But, you know, I mentioned this that we, talk, we, we, we look at 538 which is a, a website which was bought to me uh, my, 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 my eyes by, by a load of statisticians who said that this is a statistician called Nate Silver from America who's very well renowned and I've been sort of kind of monitoring this over the past couple of months to see where we sit in it and what they've done is that they have this almost like this predicted league as to where they believe the teams are going to finish at the end of the season and what they believe is that the winner this season is going to finish on 85 points, which is relatively low compared to other seasons because that's been the you know the, the, the points that you know the team in sort of maybe third place has got you know over the over, over the past previous years, and it probably gives an idea of what this season's been like with uh, teams winning and teams losing. I know teams win and teams lose, but there's been a lot of uh, not teams necessarily running away with it. So um, things have changed quite a lot at the moment. But like I said to you, at the moment, West Brom are. Uh, they believe are going to are going to win the league. You know, eighty five points. You know, forty four percent chance of them winning the league with Leeds United at thirty eight percent and Brentford in third place at fourteen percent. But more interestingly, is the teams are going to get promoted with West Brom. They've got seventy nine percent get promoted. Leeds United at eighty percent. So still Leeds United, even though they put them in second place, they're saying look, they're nailed on eighty percent. And then Brentford in third place at fifty nine percent. And then fourth place are Fulham at twenty four percent. So at the moment now, they've still got us based on how we've been playing so far all this season and also who we've got to play at as well. A little bit of a gap. That's why this conversation is interesting between us and Fulham because obviously we don't want to be dropping down the places. Fulham fourth place, Nottingham Forest fifth, Preston sixth place at the moment now. So we need to be keeping it up. So it's interesting to see what they're doing, how their fans are feeling and how we're feeling on the situation at the moment now. So what we might do in the next few weeks as well, we might look at Nottingham Forest, we might look at Preston, we might look at even Leeds West Brom, Bristol City, just to see what the vibe are around there. But So last game at Griffin Park at, against Barnsley as well. And like I said to you, we're sitting here in the Georgia Fourth pub and we've been sitting here just deliberating this for the, like, the last 20 minutes actually because it's a massive, massive issue as well and like I said to you just before we say that on the 1st of May before the last game at Griffin Park on the Friday night we got a besotted end of season social do where we've got players already lined up and it's going to be an eating it's going to be absolutely fantastic so people already booked their hotels they're booking other places to stay they've taken their time off work because they know they're going to be going to the social on the Friday night then straight to Griffin Park on the Saturday Pride of West London 
well that's the podcast but also if you go to besotted.com forward slash social you can buy tickets there as well and I have to admit we've not really put them out we've not really pushed it we've just talked about them on the podcast and I think half of them are already gone already so uh, it's absolutely flying out the doors so you need to uh, get involved but let's just come back to this Barnsley last game of the season there was a little bit of a kerfuffle because we weren't sure how the tickets were going to be allocated to fans and uh, to be fair to Bias GPG you know Besotted got involved all sorts of fan groups got involved there to liaise with the club to say to them listen you need to make sure that the allocation is done in the right type of way because this is the last game of the season and we need to make sure that people aren't going to be upset because you need to have the right fans and everybody who believes it should be, to be at that match. So in the day, I think the club did a little bit of a review and they came back and they said, right, this is how we're going to allocate it. It's not going to be season ticket holders, which is normally the way that they do it. So the season ticket holders get an extra ticket. No, we'll give the first dibs to people who have membership with a certain amount of tap points, which means tap points means that you get tap points for every time you buy a ticket or apparently every time you buy some food or some merchandise, you get all these tap points. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how you get tap points, but oh, it's only games, okay? So you get tap points for the amount of games you do. So if you go on a away game to Middlesbrough, you probably get 30 tap points. If you go to Birmingham, you might get five or ten. I don't know exactly how it is. So the more games you go to, you get tap points also for home games. So people have accumulated these tap points. So if they said if you're over 900, I believe it is, you will get first dibs on tickets to Barnsley match and then we'll chill out for a little bit, review it, and then afterwards we'll get people under that on the membership scheme to actually get in there. So the view is that basically everybody on the membership scheme, because I believe there are probably five or six thousand or maybe even more on the membership scheme, so everybody in principle should there or thereabouts get a ticket if they apply for one on the membership scheme. So that is the score. But um, it's just interesting because obviously... um, when it comes to games like this, when it comes to you know last match of the season, when it comes to big FA Cup games against Chelsea and you know and, and and other games like that, there's always a lot of unhappiness because people believe that they can't get tickets. So there's a little bit of debate going on about that, and this is like not us actually kind of pointing fingers, but we just thought that we just highlight that debate. The, the Allard. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there are a lot of people that obviously. <laughs> You know, Brentford, I've been going for, I don't know, 30 years. And um, and there's a lot of people with that sort of, with a length of service that feel like they're entitled to go. I think the real problem here is that this stuff has only really been recorded for the last six or seven or eight years or whatever it is. So I'm not really sure what other options there were. You know, I could, you know, my, my partner was going, she's been going for 20 years um she went a lot when we were shit between 20 years and 10 years ago and her son too and her son only has really only stopped going because he's gone to university in leicester neither of them are going to be able to come to the game um neither of them are members neither of them have got any sort of tap points um and that that's just the way it is i can make arguments for them but but i don't think that i can put them in front of somebody that is recorded as having gone and that's what the tap points do I, so I, I just don't know what other options there are really. I mean, I don't think it'd be right to give, to give first dibs to season tickets to buy a second ticket. Would have suited me, obviously, but I don't think that would have been the right thing to do. I think it has to be done in some way where some sort of you know 
loyalty is rewarded. I also think the club probably went out at the beginning of the season and mentioned membership and the last game of the season and kind of put the two things together. So it's important that that is also, um, you know... Sorry, and when you mentioned that, basically you're saying that they said to the fans, if you buy membership, you will get priority for all the games this season. Yeah, so I believe that was spelt out at the beginning of the season. So, I, you know, you can't withdraw that either. So there's a lot of fans basically that believe that if I've bought a membership, then I should 100% get a ticket. I don't think that's what the club said. I said, I think the club said it will put you in a priority list to get a ticket. And that's what's happened. So I'm not sure they said it guarantees you a ticket because they'd be a bit mad to do that unless they were going to limit the number of members, add that onto the number of season ticket holders and say that's the cut-off point. So I believe they said priority, and, and I'm, you know, I'm happy if someone wants to send a screen grab where they said it guarantees and to be proven wrong on that. I don't really know what the other options are. Someone did suggest let's just go back to old school and do tickets on the door, pay on the gate. I quite like that idea. Um, I don't think the pubs in Brentford would particularly like that idea because it would probably hit their takings quite a lot. Um, so yeah, at the moment I don't really see what other options there are. Um, okay, so I'm, again, I'm going to sit here and do the devil's advocate thing here. So, I mean, I've been going to Brentford. I went to Brentford back in the 80s and the 90s. Not me personally, but a figurative person that I'm bringing into it. And Brentford in the 90s. And then I've, I've, I've struggled because I've had to move abroad for my work. Okay? But I, but I, and I, I'm really going to struggle to get to games. But I, but I really want to go to the last game of the season. Now, how can I get a ticket for that game? If you're not a member and you don't have taps, you're not going to get a ticket for the game unless you know someone that is that's prepared to give up their ticket or unless you're prepared to sort of go to the ticket exchange and maybe for some reason people are going to, you know, offer their tickets up. Now, if you wanted to... Or, yeah. or sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Or dare I say it, and again, I'm not endorsing this as well, but we're talking about supply and demand society within football. I go to England all over the time. I've been all over the world where I go to World Cups and European Championships and I see people outside the stadium selling tickets. We have a ticket-tout situation. Do you think that there's going to be a ticket-tout situation at Brentford for the last game of the, of the season? I'm not sure there will be unless there's been a lot of forward thinking. There's two possibilities forward thinking by people buying tickets I'm sorry buying memberships or you're not going to make enough money I don't think from a one-off ticket by buying a season ticket maybe from a membership and then you know maybe a few here and there the only danger will be is if somewhere the club has corporately sold some tickets that that sort of well, thing could happen. And there, has been a, and there has been flying around as well, if you look around on the internet, there has been a, a corporate company that has been selling tickets for Brentford matches, interestingly. Um, they've actually been selling single tickets, so they've, they've actually been offering tickets for matches, which are just tickets on their own. And, uh, and it looks like that, that may have been um, that may have been changed where they're meant to be selling it in packages. I'm not 100% sure what's been going on here. And I think they might be in a Scandinavian country, which might be just tapping on the fact that we're actually quite, you know, quite big in Scandinavia. And uh, I think they were selling tickets for the Barnsley game, but I think that might have been rescinded now where they're not anymore. So it, 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 there, there are little loopholes there, it seems, or there have been loopholes. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a corporate company, I don't really know the background to this. You could have agreed with a club you were going to buy 20 tickets for every game, almost buy a season ticket, so to speak, but not in name. Because technically, I think if you look at the rules on your season ticket, they're non-transferable. Um, but maybe, and, and, and you know what, if they did manage to do that and pull that off, then possibly someone at the club 
should have, you know, thought, okay, we'll do that, you know, because obviously we want to sell some tickets. But, you know, there'll be a cut-off with three games to go at the end of the season. They should have maybe thought, you know, had some forward thinking about that. Maybe the company has just taken a punt and putting the tickets out there and they haven't got their fingers on them. That I don't know. I'm going to come to Tom, the Liberal Tom in a minute, but again, there is also a little bit of a kind of... Um, a little, a little bit of a sort of a toss-up here as well, because obviously, what you have is a scenario is that one situation is here. We've got the brilliant situation that pretty much, I mean, I've got just gone on just to let you know. I've just gone on to have a look at Preston tickets, and I think that Ealing Road's already gone. And if you look at Braemar Road, literally they're just like single seats there. So basically, Preston's already almost already gone. Most of the games are already sold out. So we've got a brilliant situation where finally at Griffin Park, pretty much every game between now and the end of the season, it's going to be sold out. Now, part of the reason of that is obviously because of the success of the team, but also I think there's a bit of a kind of um, a vibe going into the last season at Griffin Park that they want to buy tickets. So the club, as a commercial unit, has to sell these seats. So there's a balance up between maybe how they do that. Whereas, uh, say for example, if we were you know 14th in the league this season, would we still be in that situation? And would the club have to be looking and reaching out to try and see if they can sell as many tickets as possible? And I get all of that about... And you can make that argument for every game apart from the last game of the season. The last game at Griffin Park... I, I made a face there because who knows if it actually is. Um, last league game at Griffin Park. The last league game at Griffin Park was always going to sell out. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think also what this comes down to is... What is the reason that we're moving out of Griffin Park? It's because we want to be a growing club. We want to grow. We want to expand. We've got all these new fan bases coming in from around the world. We want to be able to offer people the opportunity to come and watch Brentford play. And we can't do that in our current surroundings. It is always a situation where someone is going to get disappointed. It's the same in... It doesn't matter whether this was football. It could have been a gig. There's always a limit to the number of people you can fit in a place. And unfortunately, there is always, as you say, that supply and demand. And I don't think there is any winners. You can never win in this situation because you're going to let someone down. I know lots of people that would have been are disappointed they couldn't get to the game now. But do you know what? I also look at it, and I, I actually reflect on something you said actually earlier, Bill, where you were saying, like, in order for me to get tickets for England, I've had to earn them. And I think that is a thing that we have to earn tickets by making sure that we have that track record in there and I appreciate that actually you know in an ideal world we could have had some retrospective things where people could have taken along their stubs from 15 years ago and said look I've got the evidence I just haven't been able to make it or whatnot but but we are stuck in a situation whereby we have the data that we have for when people have been going we need to use that because we don't use that we have nothing to work on and it is a free-for-all that would leave even more people disappointed. I think I think what really should happen is is that when we know what's happening with next season is that over the summer we have some sort of social event at Griffin Park where all the fans can come down you can have a drink with all your mates and just chill out for, at Griffin Park for a couple of hours no no football and then I think that would appease a lot of people and just you know just chill out and yeah do whatever some sort of a proper farewell a good idea there as well and like I said to you and, I, and again again I'm sitting devil's advocating here a little bit you know and I completely understand what you're saying you know sometimes you <laughs> and, and I know some people say well, that's your fault but you have sort of got to uh, to bear in mind say for example the fluff factor okay people will turn around and say listen you've already known for years that this season is going to be the last season at Griffin Park you've already known that this that that that, that ticket will be that last match is going to be really, really, really a hot ticket. I know some people who live abroad who don't even come to matches. They bought a season ticket 
and they've got, they've come over and watched Brentford about two or three times, but they've done that just deliberately, just to ensure that they've got a ticket for the final game of the season, which I thought was very, very interesting as well. So, uh, But also the other thing is that you have to realise that not everybody can afford to buy a season ticket. right? We're in a situation where other p- different people are, are different, so... You have to, you you have to sort of kind of take your your whole home your your whole market and look at people individually. You can't just turn around and just say, "Well, this is the way it goes. This is what the seats are. We've got loads of people that are going to pay for it, and that's the end of story." Because at the end of the day, is that that's fine for the last game of the season or when Brentford are doing well. But you also have to remember when the team isn't doing so well and the people used that used to turn up week in and week out when the team wasn't doing well and supported them during that time and if they're not necessarily going through as good a time now and afford to do it it's almost like there's a balance up and the, cl- the club I'm sure they realise this but you realise it's not, there's not a one glove fits all situation and you have to look at every situation um, and, and work out how you can deal with different folk now at the end of the day yes 100% a membership only costs 20 quid and if you've bought yourself a membership and you've got yourself a certain amount of taps then you'll get in but if you haven't got that many taps the chances are you'll probably still get a ticket anyway so there probably is no panic and I think I think people who probably haven't got themselves on that situation you have to probably whether or not it's a communication thing whether or not you didn't know but I think you're probably on a little bit of a sticky wicket there because there aren't that many other ways that you can do it yeah I think I mean you know there is an argument that maybe people that aren't so tech savvy or haven't been on top of this have been buying I've seen it where people suggest that that, you know or not suggest they say that they've been buying tickets for their family and they haven't made their families their own members and stuff like that or done it on the phone yeah or done it yeah exactly all that sort of stuff and that is a bit sticky I I think the club have been quite sensible by by not putting any further sales on until what is it the first week of March now second which, week is it yeah. yeah second week of March and I I would suggest that is to give themselves a chance to go through and make sure that there aren't any discrepancies and stuff like that and I, and I think as well you know I have no doubt in my mind that we, we, you know, we have always been a club about a community. We are a community club. I think that's the thing is that it's important that we've had the opportunity to air these kind of concerns and get them out there and have people represented because it does mean that we can all learn together and I'm sure the club is still listening and will continue to listen and that's, and that's the beauty of it. But I think also as well, I'm going to also play a little bit of devil's advocate myself and say... No, no, you're not allowed to. I'm the only one that could do devil's advocate, OK? Well, that's it, well, that's it. Well, I'll tell you what then. But how much do you reckon, though, if you were, we were talking about kind of ticket touts, how much would people pay to just go to that game because I guess that's also part of this question as well is that if you're not allowing it go on yeah no I'm just saying but, and, because we actually haven't mentioned I think we mentioned Ticket Tales off the record but we haven't actually mentioned it as yet because you know, the, the interesting thing is that you know whether or not Ticket Tales will actually come to this game and also the other thing is that, that listen this is not um, endorsing it at no. all but what you not at all but about what, what is an interesting thing about Ticket Touts is that they make tickets available, right, for, be, for people who may not be able to get... So if you've got a situation... I've got, an, I've got a theory is that if you really want to go to a game, you will get a ticket for a game, right? If you go to an England game and you go to Russia and you want to get a ticket for a game, if you 
if you've got 300 quid in your pocket or 400 quid or whatever it may be, you will get a ticket. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but you will always get a ticket for that game. Now, if somebody has been going for games for 20-odd years and or ten or the last five years and they've been home and away and this and they've got their tap points and they've got their ticket, that's just fine. If somebody has decided that they've not got to a game for Brentford for ages but they really want to be there because they're, this is part of their, their blood but they haven't, they've only been to two games in the last five years, okay? Right, which means that they spent probably 40 quid plus a bit of food and drink. I'm not saying, but they can make the decision as to whether or not maybe they buy, I don't know, it's a corporate package or whether, whatever else that they may do, which may cost over and above the 20 quid that's going to be to for those, those turnstiles. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying this is right or wrong or this is what you should do, but I'm saying there are ways and means of getting a ticket always. And you have to look at your circumstance and, and, and work it out and say, listen, you know, how much do I want to be there? How much have I invested maybe in the past year or two? Maybe I wasn't able to, you know, but for, for whatever scenario, I really want to be there. And then you can actually make that choice. I think, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's, and that's the question that's always in the back of my mind is that how much value do you put on this game? Now, I recognise there are lots of hardships. You know, life, life gets in the way. Of course it does. But I think that's the question is that it really depends on the individual as to how much this final game meant to them because this final game has been as you say it's been coming it's not something that's new to us we always knew the new stadium move was going to come and and you can make things you know where you could have got some things in advance and of course some th- some people fall through the gap but I just feel like where we are in the process we, we have to think about the fact that the, the move has not been sprung on us there's nothing new about this the final game was going to come and I would like to think that those that really cared passionately about it would have started making preparations to try and get into a position, or if they can't get into something themselves, at least try and find a situation or friends around them, because we are a community, to try and help rectify some of that situation. But it's not perfect, I bet I've made loads of Brentford enemies today, but that's just my my. my and again, what we're doing is we're not pointing... I've just got, I've got a bit of a, We're not pointing fingers. Not we're saying... What we're saying is that this situation is live, it's happening... There are people basically saying 900 tap points is what gets you your ticket and then 850 tap points and you need a membership. If you've got that and you've got a membership, you'll get a ticket. If you haven't, then you won't. And and these are not our rules. These are the club's rules. And looking back on it, it's probably actually quite fair. Like I said, I'm a season ticket holder and I could have got an extra ticket and I could have given it to whoever. But they've given it to people who can't afford necessarily to get a season ticket or won't get it. They haven't got a season ticket. And I think actually that is a fair move for them and they've been to enough games to enable them to do it in the short term. And if, if, if you don't fall within that, you have to kind of manoeuvre it. And Brentford is a small enough community place that, and we say this, that you know, it's not like Tottenham. I went to Tottenham, 80,000 seats. You don't know anyone there. At Brentford, people know people. And if you've been going for years, you know, but you're not, and, I'm not, and I'm sure things will come up because they just do. I suppose the only thing you could you could add to it is that possibly the communication that it was going to be season tickets holders get one ticket members then will be will get a ticket in order of tap points maybe if that communication to be absolutely clear on that had gone out at the beginning of the season that might have improved where we are now because the debates and the discussions could have been had five months ago and people could have then been clear exactly what they needed to do and have to get a ticket for the game which may have resulted in somebody turning up at an away game they didn't go to 
but could have gone to or something like that. I, th- that's all I think when when it comes to this is that maybe that's where things could have been a bit clearer. Okay, so listen, I mean, it's it's ongoing. Like I said to you, two weeks and nine and nine hundred tap points, people. And then there's going to be a review. So maybe just before the Sheffield Wednesday game, we might have a little bit of information from the club, which we'll be able to relay back to the fans. Um, when they review the scenario. But from our point of view, you know, we're thinking that most people who want a ticket will get a ticket. There's always a panic very early on. I see it, and like I said to you, I go to England games all over the world, and there's always a panic very early on, but it all kind of evens itself out after a couple of weeks, and then people see where the lie of the land is, and then afterwards things become available. So I believe that people who want to get a ticket will be able to get a ticket for this game. Um, the people that sort of say, you know, my wife has been to one game a season or whatever like that, and it's not a member, stuff like that. I think it might be a little bit trickier in that situation, but people who have been to games on a fairly regular basis, who've got a membership going on, or who have got friends who know that they do that, I think that, honestly, I really do believe that they will have no problem in getting a ticket for the last game of the season. So I think people, even though the natural thing is to panic, I think you need to just chill out a few weeks, see how it goes, and after a couple of weeks, see how it pans out. But anyway, it's not the last game of the season. It's only February. We've got Blackburn Rovers coming down. And Blackburn Rovers are normally quite tricky, except for last season when we beat them 5-1. I think it was or 5-2 or something ridiculous. But anyway, we scored lots of goals up after them. But they are a tricky team. They are very high up in the form table at the moment now. And they're coming down to Brentford. What do we know about Blackburn? Hmm, a little bit. But Tom from Rovers Chat knows even more. He's going to tell us what he knows all about Blackburn Rovers. Hi, I'm Tom Scofield of Rovers Chat. Um, I suppose I started supporting Blackburn, um, well, ever since I was born. Um, it's a team that my dad supported and it's where he took me when I was a kid to watch the football. Um, so yeah, it's it's sort of been in my blood, I would say, um, for as long as I can remember. I'd say so far our season's been good. Um, obviously there's been injuries to Bradley Dack, um, which hasn't been great, and recently especially we've really struggled in the attacking areas in terms of injuries, but we've dealt with that superbly. I think had you offered us the position that we're in currently at the start of the season, then I think we would have snatched your hand off. Like I said, it is a shame that we've not got Dak for that running, um, as he is obviously incredibly influential, but then some have argued that not playing him means that we can play a more free-flowing game, bringing other players into it, which you know could be a positive. In terms of key results, I'd probably say the the other fixture against yourselves, that 1-0 against a team that we've seen as playoff contenders throughout the season. And I suppose that was the fixture that probably got our season back on track, if anything. It was the start of what was a a very good run of form. Other fixtures, I'd look at the 2-0 against Charlton um, just last week. You know, it was a fixture where they sorted out their home allocation, and the pressure was really on us against a team that we expect to be, you know, to actually go out and do that. There's been times this season when we've not been able to do so. And I would I would definitely say that that was an important one. Finally, I look at the Sheffield Wednesday game where we won 5-0. I think it was our biggest win in about 20 years or something like that. Um, obviously, um, it's just fantastic to score five goals and unexpected as well it's not something that we do often it's not something that I 
think we'll do it again um, anytime soon. So to have really savoured that was fantastic. The relationship with the owners, you know, it's still not brilliant, but it's not as bad as it was. Things now seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, we've got people at the club in terms of the CEO, um, Steve Waggett, who at least seems to have um, the club's best interest at heart, even though there are certain things he does that we find problematic. And obviously Tony Mowbray has played a big part in also sorting all that out. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's civil. If they came back to Ewood, would they get a good reception? Probably not. But then I don't think people think about them just as much anymore. As I said, with the back injury at the time, I genuinely thought that was the wheels off our season. Um, it wasn't great. We became very independent on him to actually go out and you know, score the goals for us and, and get the assists. The numbers that he has, they speak for themselves, really. Um... But, like I said, we've dealt with that well. It was a, a bit of a, a sticky patch after we lost him. Um, obviously, that game we drew with Wigan in the end, and I think we didn't win for a couple more fixtures after that. But, you know, it's okay. We, we've dealt with it well. We've had players like Adam Armstrong come to the forefront, and it's it's been okay. But, like I said, at the time, I really did think that was the wheels off our season and that we'd sort of just coast home. Not in any real trouble, but not in any way, shape or form, threatening the playoffs at this stage of the season. Mowbray has been a breath of fresh air for us. I think it's just been three years since we hired him. He's massively important to us and the team. I think that he has had criticisms at times this season, and rightfully so. He isn't perfect, and like anyone and any manager, he does make mistakes. Um, and there was a time this season when you know people were getting restless and a bit frustrated at him. You know, his seeming persistence to play the likes of Sam Gallagher, who is a centre forward on the wing. Um, and, you know, some of his signings haven't been great, like Ben Brereton for around £5 million, Sam Gallagher for a similar fee. So, yeah, there's been criticisms there for him, just simply because this isn't money that we have to spend, or money that we have to spend a lot. Um, so when it is spent, it needs to be done wisely, and it's not been. But he does bring the team together. He's brought the club back to the fans. And honestly, I, there are obviously better managers in the championship, no doubt. But there's no one that I'd rather have managing my club at this moment in time. Obviously, the recent form has been superb. Top of the form table, I think as well, since the last international break, we topped that table. Something like 17 games, I think it's like 13 wins or something like that. I could be a bit off there. Um, but we are definitely top since the last international break. Obviously, that's ifs and buts because the season didn't start at the last international break. But it's nice to look at, um, thinking that, you know what, we have got something um, something going that's good as well. It's not necessarily a flash in the pan. It's been consistent now, like I said, since that last international break. I can't really put a finger on the reason for the form either. Um, I think there's a togetherness in the squad. There's a, a want for them to work hard for each other. Um, and that's something that in the past we've not seen. I think we look back to the relegation season when we got relegated at, at Griffin Park, actually. You know, there wasn't the togetherness then, at least not when Owen Coyle was in charge. Um, and that has changed now. You've got Lewis Travis, who's incredibly influential, who just puts fires out all over the shop and, and really does um, hold us together when we are being attacked. Um, and Daryl and Tosnad are at the back of both, forged a fantastic partnership. And Christian Walton is obviously... Um, playing very well. We, I was disappointed to lose Raya to to Brentford. 
Um, but Walton's doing good so far, and and it's nice to see that you know eleven clean sheets, only one keeper's kept more this season, and that's Casilla at Leeds. Our key players, Adam Armstrong is definitely the main one. Now we're without Dak. I think since the new year he's scored something like six goals and got five assists. Um, he's just been in fantastic form. He can score goals cutting in from the right, left, um, and through the middle. He's just generally a very good player. I think he's finally showing that promise that he showed at Newcastle. He'd be able to do it in League One where he just had a yard of extra pace and had beat everyone. But now in the Championship, he's really starting to to show that he's a, he's a player to be reckoned with. And I won't be surprised at all if at some point in the coming transfer windows there are Premier League teams that start to show interest I think there's another key player probably with Lewis Travis like I said before he just holds the midfield together really well um, that's what we've lacked a midfielder with real bite and tenacity and that's what Travis brings other than that probably an honourable mention to Stuart Downing the way that he keeps hold of the ball is just fantastic and it's something we've not really seen at Blackburn in a long time so yeah I'd go with Travis Downing and then the main man Armstrong so, obviously, last season um, wasn't fantastic for us when we played you. Yeah. 2-0 up um, early on, and we thought that, yeah, playoffs, bang on. Even so, long before the end of the season. But then, obviously, the five goals that you scored was a bit of a sucker punch, and not expected, to be honest. Um, I was expecting a tough game, but I wasn't expecting a game where we conceded five. Um, you only have to look at, you know, likes of Benarama. Um, these players are fantastic. I think Benarama, especially, like I said, he's the one that really um, stands out. Then, of course, you've got Watkins, who just seems to know where the back of the net is. And these are the players that you need if you're to make a real good go at getting the playoffs and maybe even automatics, because obviously you're not far off that. Um, I think we'll aim to frustrate you. You play a nice free flowing football, and as a neutral, it's brilliant to watch. But from our perspective, I think we need to come in and stunt that. We need to break up play. And if that means a few niggly fouls, then I suppose that's the way it is. I know it's not the most attractive way and it can be branded as that anti-football. But I think when you've got a player, um, a group of players, should I say, that play as well as Brentford do against a team that perhaps doesn't have that same quality like us, that's the sort of game where you need to dig deep and, like I said, just break up play and, and commit those niggly fouls. Um, nothing dangerous, of course, but um, just, you know, like I said, stunt the play of Brentford. I think my score prediction, I never like predicting us to lose, um, but it's definitely going to be a tough game for us. If you were to offer me a point right now, I'd take it. Um, but if I was betting on it, I wouldn't bet on us to win. So, my heart says 1-1, but my head is going to say 2-0 Brentford. But yeah, I suppose that's it really. Um, Like I said, Brentford are a classy side and it's going to be a tough game for us, but I'm hoping that we can really, you know... Give you a tough game. I think that's the main thing. If we can go put hundred percent in, then I'm more than happy. Um, obviously, thanks for having me on the podcast. It it means a lot. Um, I hope to be able to do something similar uh, next time we play you. Um, and who knows? 
if you get automatic somewhere, you somehow get in the playoffs, that could be in the Premier League. Um, but I wouldn't be betting on that. Thanks and bye. So that was Tom from Rovers Chat. They're down here on Saturday. Listen, you know, you've got to get excited, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, Rovers are doing all right. OK, they lost Bradley Dack, but still... You know, they've gone on a nice little run at the moment now and they're causing teams problems and we're hoping they won't cause us problems on Saturday. I mean, Armstrong has been knocking in the goals. He scored nine goals this season as well. And also Gallagher as well. He's been scoring or causing problems as well for defences. So we need to make sure, and I keep saying this, I know we say this, we're on our A game on Saturday. I mean, Blackburn Rovers, what are they all about? Blackburn Rovers, they create long shot opportunities, very good at that, and also defending set pieces, you know what I'm saying? So we've scored a few set pieces recently, so will we get it off against Blackburn Rovers? That is the question. Also, they create chances through through balls and finish scoring chances. So when they get on the ball, they're very good at scoring them as well. But what they're not good at is protecting the lead and avoiding offside. So this is interesting with Blackburn Rovers. We need to be on our A game because we need to get three points here to project us up to start putting a little bit of pressure on the teams above us and also on the teams below us, like Fulham, who we talked about a little bit earlier, the Allard. Yeah, I think... It's sort of a, it's a banana skin, this isn't it? Potentially Blackburn Rovers. It's when you look at the fixture list, you think, "Ooh, that's a, that's three points at home." And then you look at a bit more detail, and you see that if you look at, I think, um, the form table, Blackburn are up there. They, you know, they're not a team we found particularly easy to play against. Um, I know we've had the what was it a five-two or something uh, win against them, but I always remember them as being a team that grind it out a bit. Tony Mowbray, you know, I always think of him as a bit of a sort of a colourless manager that can get the best out of a out of a collection of players. However, they've also got a bit of quality. I, I I've always sort of looked at Sam Gallagher and thought, you know, he's a half decent centre forward, especially in the Championship. So yeah, potential banana skin on Saturday. If I hadn't thought about it, I would be very, very confident about Saturday. But the more I think about it, the more I can see that um, we've got a real potential challenge on Saturday. What, uh, interesting. What, how do you think we're going to approach this game? Because looking at how they play, looking at the results that they've had, looking at how we've flipped things recently, because we've had to. Okay, so our midfield has changed up a little bit over the. We don't know whether or not this is injury, you know, tactical. You know, do you think, like, say, for example, somebody, you know, um, do you think our midfield will stay the same as it did at Birmingham City? Do you think we might flip it back, back against a team against Blackburn? I reckon. I, to be perfectly honest, I think the first team picks itself, and I don't. And although we've tried some different things, and I know against Leeds we didn't play at all, but my. My feeling is the first team pretty much picks itself. Uh, the question is, Janssen, is he fit? Does he come in for Jean Vier? And then if you look at midfield, I still think probably De Silva and Janssen are ahead of Baptiste and Yearwood. So if they're fit, they play. Bremo's ahead of Marcondes. And if any of those three are injured out of Bremo, um, De Silva and uh, Janssen, then I think Marcondes comes in. That's kind of where I think we are. The I, I'm not Tom, yeah. <laughs> liberal Tom. <laughs> That's a, just to confuse everyone. Yes. Yeah, I think I think what'll be interesting to see is whether or not they are passing. Their passing game is up to scratch. Some of the games where they're making a real difference is where they're knocking the ball around nicely. And actually, looking at what they've been doing as well recently, 
is have got a good record of scoring goals. And what our problem, we've also had a big problem about games where we then have a, a big scoring game of them scoring and us scoring and it, I get the feeling it might be one of those games and especially with the 12.30 kickoff, I think I, I, I've got, still got this belief that we don't quite wake up when we have a, an early kickoff, um, and I think we might be a bit slow out the blocks and if we're slow out the blocks concede an early goal the entire complexion of the game changes so uh, old school yeah I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my keeping my wits about me but I, I, I think we could be in for a bit of a goal fest I'm gonna, it's, it's going to turn out being nil-nil now but you know <laughs> I quite like those early kickoffs. Haven't we done all right in them recently? Because don't, don't we win and then we chill out in the afternoon and watch everybody else oh, fall yeah. apart? Oh, Stelling. I mean, Stelling is just marvellous after a 5-1 hole victory, wasn't it? That was a marvellous afternoon, that was. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's what I'm hoping for on Saturday is a bit more of that lovely afternoon feeling. We've done the business and now let's watch on telly the chance of Leeds are falling apart again and as you can see again I am doing this again I'm touching wood because the thing is that we're not actually resting on our laurels here and everything like that so we're not doing the arrogant thing that other teams may do what we're doing is we're projecting what may happen Dan the man I'm quietly confident actually I think you know sorry I know I know it's against the grain here but actually you know after the Birmingham game and all the shenanigans around that you know a good solid home win you know, against an inverted commas average Blackburn team. Oh, oh, oh you've now no, gone no, and done no, it. No. Oh, damn, the man. Listen, you need to get back to school, man. Half term is obviously too long this holiday for you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just, because, you know, I think, I think we, you know, we, yeah, I think the, the next two fixtures, including the Blackburn game, I think, yeah, I think, I think quietly confident. Listen, listen, look, 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 sorry, sorry. Let me just come back to this. So why do you think Blackburn are an average side? Because all of us here have given them the respect. You've given them no respect whatsoever, Dan the man. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if any Blackburn fans are, 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 are listening. I just think, you know, I think, yeah, I... I, I you're making up, aren't you? No, no, no. I've just got a feeling in my in my in my gut. Gut reaction. Gut reaction. Listen, at Brentford, we don't believe in gut reaction, <laughs> mate. It's all about figures. Well, I'm old school. I don't really understand figures. Maybe it's the dyslexia kicking in. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I think. You don't need to make excuses with us. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, like I said without being, you know, without uh, ranting and raving about it. I think we'll 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 win. Okay. Listen. At the end of the day, this is how it all goes. It's an old school feel. A man has got some figures in his belly. He's got some gut reaction. And he just says that we're going to beat Blackburn. And he doesn't no, believe no they're very good. No disrespect to Blackburn or anything like that. No, he's just... And the, the old no disrespect last minute shout, yeah? One thing I will say as well, um, and this has come out of form of, of Pinnock at the centre-back at the minute. He's been really, really strong in the air. I've just been uh, crunching the stats myself. Uh, and looking at it, they say that they go for a long pass a lot of the time in a game. And I think with the way that Pinnock's been playing at the minute, he could be our saving grace. Um, I think if, if, if they do try and play the more direct approach, then hopefully that'll work in our favour, the fact that we've got him at the back in good form. Fingers crossed. They like to attack through the middle as well, and they play with width. So uh, let's see how that goes. Uh, the LR, have I spoken to you? Because I've got no idea what's going on <laughs> at, this, at this, this late, late time of the evening. Yeah, you have. But I think what we're going to do now is go for score predictions, right? <laughs> so let me try and help you out here. And um, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm nervous of Saturday, and um, I'm going to bring it down a bit. I'm going to give Blackburn a bit of respect. I think Saturday could be one all. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, there you go! Another one, one all, which 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 goes against the flow of what you know where we perspective ourselves. But that is good because at least we still 
remain within the game? Liberal Tom. Well, I've been very liberal with my goal-scoring record here, and having said I'm going to maintain there's going to be goals, I think we're looking at a two-all draw. I, I could see I could see some late drama, but but you never know. But I I, I could see a two-all game coming. Wow, you can see the fear, the fear. Like there's a lot of knocking of the wood, and no one getting ahead of themselves here. The the fear. But listen, we've got Dan the man here. Who we got to hurry up because listen, I mean, his 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 uh, his escort is, is ready to take him back to the nursery a little bit later. Three one bees. Just got straight in there, Holland. The Allard. You're going to ask me for the score prediction now. Yeah, yeah. Can I? I've asked you already, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's such a joker, isn't he? Like, you know, that's why we bring him on because actually he's got all the punchlines. Kaching! And for myself, I'm going to go. Listen, forget this. The last tranche of matches are all over. This is the new tranche of matches. We've got to start it with a big bang. Boom. 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees is what I believe is going to happen on Saturday. So this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. 1st of May, Friday, end of season social. We've got players booked. We're going to have more players booked. We're going to tell you who they are very, very soon. But book it on besotted.com forward slash social. There's going to be a post-match podcast on Saturday after the game. Check that out. And on a Monday, 8 o'clock on Love Sport Radio. We'll be on the radio. But listen, give us some iTunes. Give us a big thumbs up. Give us a review. Give us all that kind of stuff. We'll have to go back to that and read those reviews out. I think we're a bit backlogged on that. But please do that because apparently the algorithms make sure that Brentford get promoted if you give us a review. So please do that as well. But other than that, listen, this is Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're at the George IV. It's a brilliant pub. You should come down there. We're absolutely really happy. We've got Blackburn coming out on Saturday. It's very early. All the pubs are open very early. I know the pub that we go to is open at 9 o'clock in the morning. So get down there for a bit of breakfast, a bit of beer for everything like that as we say. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.